are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right. It's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. And sitting across from me is Daniel Gutierrez. You did it. Yes, I said it really nice and easy, that was nice beautiful. and smooth, like a radio voice. It was nice. Hello, I'm Andrew. Uh, wow. The wow. podcast voice. I don't think I can call you Andrew. Should I talk like this? No, because we're not doing like okay. hardcore monster truck sports <laughs> events. That's true. Uh, it, it, it's very true. Uh, really exciting stuff. We're going to get to a great guest. I can't wait to talk about her and, and, uh, and throw to that interview. But before we get started, reminder, we have our website. It's thecoinboys.com. That has everything you need to get to, whether it's our blogs, our podcasts, uh, we have SoundCloud and iTunes and Google Play. Be uh, sure to rate, subscribe, and review us. Yeah, please. Uh, we appreciate the iTunes reviews as well and the stars. It really helps uh, broaden and gets, get, uh, get us seen on the iTunes app as well. Uh, but, we appreciate all the love. But do you know what my favorite part of what we have on there is? What is it? There's two things. Okay. One, brand new. Just going to shout this out and preview it right now. You can join the Coin Voice family. Join the Coin family. Uh, subscribe there. Just give us a name. doesn't have to be yours. <laughs> and an email. And we'll uh, start sending you and automatically put you into some future contests. But we have our phone number on there. Oh, yeah. That's right. And that phone number is 424-372-7437. Four, Again, 424-372-7437. Four, four, what happens if they call right now, Andy? Actually, there's a contest going on with BitNinja, our partner. He does our merchandise. Check out BitNinja's website. There's Coinboys merchandise and other merchandise available. But if you call in now to that phone number that Daniel just said, and that's 424-372-7437. You can't say it enough. You get to be a guest host on our show. A chance, just because you left a message, you get a chance to be a guest host on our show with Daniel and I. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on the full show. It's not just like five minutes or something or playing a clip. You're going to be on the whole show. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. But guess what? And you're you, going to like it. You also <laughs> get... Our, our, we don't do a lot of these kind of giveaways, but we love what we're doing with BitNinja, and he's created the Crypto Crate. It's like a loot crate for crypto. Which is awesome. You get one for free, and you get the guest host on the show. Boom. Boom. Done. Done. Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. But anyway, getting on to some exciting stuff, Daniel, is our interview with Taylor Monahan from MyCrypto. Yes. Who we've met before, is uh-huh. awesome. She's kind of a part of the LA scene that we always talk about on the show. Um, and she has friends with like, you know, she's, we met her at Blockchain Beach, I believe. Yeah. Um, it, it was really cool. I was really, um, I was really impressed by her knowledge when we met her at Blockchain Beach. And I was really excited to interview her um, just because uh, I felt that she would have something wonderful to say. I was even more impressed learning about her background and everything. Uh, we, you and I and her have very similar beginnings, but then she took off and became far better than us, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. She, she, she has a very successful uh, company called My Crypto, which we're actually going to learn about. Uh, but like Daniel said, we really get into her background, which is a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very inspirational for those of you who don't have a technical background but want to get into blockchain. It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, it's really great to be able to do a featured episode with her. Uh, we've been planning this for a while. And uh, you know what, Daniel? I'm just going to throw to this interview. Uh, this is Taylor Monahan with uh, My Crypto. Enjoy, guys. When Ethereum first launched, um, there was really no way to like send funds around or even like create a new wallet without using the command line, which is like that terminal hacker-esque thing that you guys might... 
Yes. I've had to use it a couple times and I got scared. Yes, it's terrifying. And it's even more terrifying when you consider that you're opening it and then you're going to like, you know, send all of this magical internet money from one wallet to the next via this command line thing. Yeah. And, um, I immediately was like, you know, trying to move my own funds. And when uh, my friend and then my future partner, my Ether wallet, Kosala, he told me like, oh, yeah, 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 just open up command line and send it. I was like, ha, 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 you're yeah. funny. Like, that's At this point, happening. if you if we still need to use a command line to do something, I'm going to get very upset. <laughs> so we ended up putting together like a super simple interface. It was just like, you know, a couple buttons and you could create a new wallet. You could print out like a little paper wallet and you could send your funds around. Um, and that was back in 2015. And then over the past, gosh, what, three and a half years now, we basically evolved the product from being this like GitHub repo, super simple interface to a full-fledged company with multiple products with a team of really, really inspiring and talented people. And, you know, our goal is, is the same though, is, uh, I want to make the blockchain more accessible. I want to make it easier to use. I want to make it easier to access. I want to make it safer. Um, all of those, those challenges that we're up against every single day, you know, that's, those are the problems that we're trying to solve. For, for people who uh, want to use your project, what, what would they be using my crypto wallet for? So you can basically you can like create a new wallet and uh, you can use that new wallet to hold your ether or your tokens. And we also support like uh, all the other Ethereum based chains. So Ethereum Classic, um, Ubik, Ubik. I don't know how to say it even. No, I, don't, um, I know that one. Though. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's a whole bunch of these, uh, the test nets as well. And and basically, um, yeah, you can hold your funds, you can send your funds, you can see all of your, your tokens. Um, and then we have some more complex functionality, like you can interact with smart contracts. Um, you could do things like buy an ENS name um, and, and things like that. And so primarily we're a wallet, but we're kind of moving into playing with more advanced functionality specifically around the Ethereum ecosystem. Okay. Awesome. So we we want to get into more detail into my crypto a little bit later on in the show, but we want to go into your background. Where are you, where are you from? So okay. I, was, I was born and raised in LA. And Me then too. I, Me too. Oh my God. You guys are from LA? Holy moly. That's the weird thing. See, because everyone's that. <laughs> no, here's I the know, thing. I was just being the stereotype. We've had, no, we, we've, we had, we've had a lot of people on this show, and there have been more people from Jersey, where Andy's from, yeah. than L.A., where I'm from. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. my gosh. I guess that's true. Yeah, we have had Jersey people on this show. <laughs> and just, I'm like, wow. So thank you for being here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so born and raised in L.A. Uh, I went to school in New York. I lasted on the East Coast about four years, and I immediately was like, screw this snow. I do not like seasons whatsoever. I've, uh, I've heard legends of seasons, but I have not actually experienced them. I do not recommend. You must tell me legends from afar, please. But go ahead. Sorry, continue on. Um, and so I actually left. I was living in Boston at the time. I left Boston and went to Sydney, Australia, because I wanted it to be summer, but it was like November. Nice. And so I lived in Sydney for three months, and then I moved back home to LA. And so I basically doubled up on summer. Like that's how over winters I was. 
Um, Everyone laughs when I say um, I put on a sweater and it's 74 degrees. I'm like, God, it's so, so cold. <laughs> no, I left there and I'm me. never moving back. Yeah, I can't like, ever go yeah. back to the cold weather. It's horrible. No, it's terrible. <laughs> um, and so when I came back, this was in like uh, like 2010 or so. And I don't know how you, old you guys are, but in 2010, the sort of job market was pretty crap. Um we were like pretty in, we were in a recession. And so I got a really crap job uh, and I basically made myself useful. And so I'd gone to school for film and television oh. uh, and I ended up making like product videos and then expanding my role to do literally anything. So I would manage their website. I would take photographs. I would do Photoshop or do marketing or do communicate, like whatever they needed me to do. I was like, please just keep paying me. Yeah. I need 2010 is when I got my first production job as well. For some reason I felt in production, we were okay in the job market. Uh, 2007 yeah. was the writer's strike that I was a part of. So I do not kind of, that was a little, that after was that, ru- yeah, that was rough. 2007. The writer's strike was rough. Yeah. I, see, I was still working in the industry in, yeah, when the writer's strike was going on. Um, but I'd kind of, I don't want to say I'd moved out of the industry, but I just sort of like, when I went to Sydney, I realized I didn't want to come back and like do a PA job on some television show for a hundred bucks a day yeah. forever. Um, so I was looking for like a more stable income and, um, uh, uh, I wanted to do more like I wanted like I really loved telling stories and that's obviously I went to film school I love telling stories and creating things um but you don't you, you don't always get that when you're you're a PA on a on a you, TV show you rarely get that when you're PA I, I, I completely <laughs> feel exactly where you're coming from I think you and I are probably on very similar paths except for you've left LA <laughs> so, uh, which and is awesome. came back. <laughs> yeah, because you realized why would you leave? Um, exactly. Uh, but yeah, okay, uh, that's awesome. so. You didn't even come in from a tech background. I didn't realize that you came from I, an entertainment background. I yeah, I did cool. not come from a tech background. I I rapidly grew into sort of more technical because at that job, I literally I was like, I'll do anything to make sure I have a job tomorrow, and I actually really. Um, they didn't quite know what to do with me. So they threw me upstairs with all the engineers. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know if it's being surrounded by engineers or if it was just like the cool technology that we we're working on or what it was. But um, I really started to fall in love with like creating websites and telling stories via these websites. I f- fell in love with like solving the complex problems that engineers get to work on every day. Um, and so I kind of transitioned into a more technical role. I will not call myself an engineer by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, I was constantly like in that sort of environment. And so during this time, uh, was the first bull run for Bitcoin when Bitcoin hit 1200. And that's when I kind of first got interested in this entire thing because it was, absolutely fascinating to watch it was fascinating to watch you know obviously like these these total geeks oh just like I don't know they had built something and it was remarkable and then to watch the price take off and like the kind of the reaction of the media and the reaction of average people um and then obviously when Mt. Gox got hacked it was like 
you know, like as little details came out more and more, because I don't know if people remember this, Mt. Gox when it got hacked was like, it wasn't like, oh, we got hacked. Here's all the details. It was like, a, it was months and yeah. months oh, yeah. of little things coming out. Yep. And, and so still things are coming out. Like, that, yeah. Technically, <laughs> yes. Day. Um, and, and even though I never really got like super into Bitcoin, I could see that it was something special and we were all so fascinated by it and and the passion of the people who were interested in this and the types of people that were interested in bitcoin um i immediately could sense that it was something special and so then when um the ethereum was doing their their sale thing um that's when I really became interested. And I'm not sure if it's because the Ethereum community was so like welcoming and, and there was like a great vibe online or what, but um, Ethereum, I just like instantly fell in love with. And, uh, and then obviously when Ethereum launched and someone told me I'd use the command line to send all my money around, I was like, all right, let's solve this problem. And it was, it was perfect because you know, I had these skills that I acquired from, you know, telling stories, uh, solving problems. I, uh, I was trying to solve my own problems, which makes things like way easier. You don't really have to do user research when it's all in your head. Um, and and that's sort of how it got started. I, I, sorry. I know when we go to film school, we learn a lot about uh, computers and, and, and that pertains to special effects, that pertains to editing, that pertains to sound work. We end up getting a lot of technical background in film school. Um, more so than we than I had intended, at least as for me. But there was yes. no, but there was no real like how to design websites and 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 uh, how to program and all that stuff. How um how did you adapt to that? Um, so so quickly? <laughs> yeah, I was entirely self taught over the years when I was at this at this job that I mentioned um, because. And, and it started really, like, if you want to learn how to build a website, this is the path that I took, and it, it works out pretty well. So I started by maintaining the existing website, which meant that I had to go in and figure out how to change words or change an image or whatever. And uh, slowly over time, you start to understand how these different pieces fit together, but it's not very overwhelming because you're literally Googling, like, how to change an image <laughs> and, right. and you know what I mean? And, and so it's not, you're like, okay, and I changed the image and now everything's happy. Um, and then over time, you know, you learn more and more of these pieces. I took a couple classes, like in real life classes at the local community college. Uh, I Weird. Took, like, online Good. stuff. I know, right? Um, I took online classes and then eventually I started, you know, making little landing pages and making actual new websites and, you know, all of these sorts of things. And, and that's sort of how I got into the technical stuff. And I think because I'm mostly self-taught and I was like always Googling the answers, um, that's why when I started to get into like the cryptocurrency scene, um, it was very natural for me to like live on Stack Exchange and ask questions and get the answers and and kind of decode the pieces and not be overwhelmed by that. So, I sorry, think. Uh, well, I was going to say that I think there's like a a theme with people that come into crypto that have no technical backgrounds and they tend to become more technical. I know people that have gotten technical jobs and they never were technical in their lives before crypto. That's how I am. I was not technical and I got into crypto and now I feel like I understand. Well, I discovered it very early, so I was forced to understand. Like, well, But you have the key word there, 
all of us who got in early were forced. We had no other right, choice if but, we wanted to play. But I had to play around and figure out how does this thing work. I didn't have all the help today, so it made me more technical. All right, I Grandpa. Think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no. That's such a good point, though, because one of the um, one of the things that I did in the early days, and they're still like people still reference them, was I would go on the Ethereum Stack Exchange and I would like answer questions that I didn't know the answer to, and so. I would like someone would ask a question. I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. I wonder how that works, too. And I would literally go and like research and piece together the answer. And then I'd write it out in a really detailed and like, you know, okay, here's the details. And then here's kind of the explain like I'm five version. And I did this repeatedly. And that's really how I got the deep, complex, technical understanding of a lot of these concepts was was literally teaching someone else about it even though i didn't even know it that's funny. that's how kind of i got through i got through film school i if i wanted to learn how to edit i taught somebody else how to edit and let yeah, them it's a mess great up their project way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to um it's a great way to like learn and, and and force yourself to learn because not only do you have to absorb the information but then you have to distill it back in your own words and just that process is like probably i don't know it forces you to learn very very quickly so you sound like you've been uh, probably a little bit or, or you probably came into crypto around the same time as Andy like when um who did you hear about it from first how did you first hear about bitcoin all altogether i don't remember specifically but i do remember it was like a it was repeated so like i saw an article somewhere on some forum that i read and then like someone in real life mentioned it and then i mentioned it to someone else and they're like oh yeah i have a couple bitcoin and i was like oh tell me all about it um, and it was like this, it was this thing that, that, you know, the first time I heard about it, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. I didn't really pay any attention to it. Um, it was just sort of like a thing that existed. <laughs> um, but you know, when you hear about something over and over and over again, and especially when you hear about something from people that you respect or that you, um, you know, have made good choices in the past or that's how I'm here. That's how I got into crypto too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, it, and you know, once you kind of start diving into it, it's, it's so fascinating. Like it's endlessly fascinating and it's endlessly interesting and you can just tell there's something really special going on. Even, you know, even in the bear market after the first, you know, the first Bitcoin bubble popped, um, and everything was, I would say, like quite toxic on Reddit and stuff. You could still tell that people were excited about the technology and excited about the potential and excited about the future. And I think that's when I realized, like, okay, this whole blockchain thing is really sticky and really is it's gonna something's gonna come of it. So you go it you you start working with my Ether wallet at some point. You, you, yes. you start developing that, and and you want to fix, you want to make it more user friendly. As, as your start, what what gave you the confidence that you had the ability to do that? I know you said you, oh. you're very creative and all that stuff, but like there's there's creative and there's actual functionality and, and programming on that. So how did you get yeah. how did you get to that? So um, the person that I started my Ether Wallet with, we we worked together previously, and um, we had a pretty good like 
system going where I would do the design and the front end and he would do all the technical stuff. And we had done this on a number of projects before. And so when we were building the first version of my Ether wallet, we just did it the exact same way we did any other project. But I want to like really emphasize like we didn't start my Ether wallet. Like we didn't sit down and be like, we're going to start a company or we're going to start a project. We literally were just like, hey, let's build this tool because there's no other tool and then someone else will. Like I specifically remember being like, um, Mist is going to launch in November. Uh, so this tool will just help people for the next couple months. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were so just trying was, to do a Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah. We were just like, here, world, here's here's the little thing. Um, and and when, the, when people started using it, that was probably one of the most unique experiences and what kind of made me really commit everything I had to it because up until this point the websites and the products that I had built were for clients and when you have a client relationship you're building something for them they have their problems that they want to solve and they kind of communicate those to you but you're really building something to satisfy a client and once the project's done there's not like there will be like oh we need to add copy to this page or oh we need a new page but there's not like iteration in the sense that there's iteration with a product like like my crypto or my ether wallet um and that's when i was like you know we'd get we'd get customer support tickets we'd get people asking questions we'd get people like saying hey thank you so much this really really helped me and that's when you know it transformed for me at least from being this like little pet side project band-aid to being like I want to make this better every single day I can't get enough of this world I want to be on reddit every single day talking to these crypto nerds like I love this let's do this like I was full like I was at the beginning I was like oh my god look at all these nerds and then like a month later I was like okay I am officially the biggest crypto nerd ever (laughs) nice why do you think people gravitated towards towards your project why do you think people just adopted it so much um i mean in the early days there's because there really weren't any other solutions um like literally like it was like us or or command line um but then even when mist launched and then there was jacks um there was metamask eventually came out like i think that part of it is trust. So the fact that we had been around for so long and the fact that I was like always in communication with people, uh, always posting updates, always around to answer questions. Um, but I think most of it is like, um, it worked and people trusted it. And when, you know, we, there was a number of wallets that would come out and then people would start using them or experimenting with them and then they would exit scam like almost immediately. So, um, yeah. And then I think that, you know, some of the big features that we did that really, we just saw like it, it just started taking off was, uh, when ether split, when the Dow hack happened and then ether and Ethereum classic like split into two, Uh um, we added functionality to like split your coins so that you wouldn't accidentally send both at the same time, which is the thing. Um, and, um, it was really simple, but we just made a little splitter tool that people could use. And then we also made the DAO withdrawal tool. So if you had invested in the DAO, you had to go through a process, which was a smart contract to take your, your, your funds back out. Um, but it was like, you know, the tutorial for using mist was like 10 pages long. And I just designed a single big 
red button that you clicked. <laughs> and, Thank you. And, <laughs> so, you know, I think that, that all of these little things, um, you know, kind of came together. And then obviously when the market took off in 2017 and ICOs became the, the biggest and the best, we saw everyone recommending us just nonstop. And I think that, again, it was because we'd been around the longest, we were trusted, but also because um, you needed a viable alternative that was our product in order to invest in ICOs. You couldn't invest in ICOs from Coinbase or from your exchange. You had to have control of your keys. Um, and we had, you know, we supported literally every single token on Ethereum. And so um, that, yeah. <laughs> okay. So so we come to my crypto now, yes. uh, which is a fork from my Ether wallet. Is that correct? Yeah, we sort of did a brand fork. And... You yeah, know, I was trying I to figure out how, what, what, what the fourth <laughs> meant. brand for. Because I was like, oh. this is the blockchain, fork. right? I like that. Okay. Yeah. And so, it's, 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 uh, it wasn't ideal, obviously. But, you know, when I talk about the history, when I talk about how we never intended this to be like a product or a company, um, one of the benefits of that is that, like, hey, you get to solve real problems and you don't have to worry about things like setting up a real company. Mm -hmm. um, one of the downsides to that is that, um, you know, you don't have any paperwork setting up a real company. Yeah. So uh, I mean... you don't have explicit, you know, anything. You don't. You just don't. And so when you see the market in 2017, and you, and you remember back to to that chaos, um, it's very difficult to keep everyone in line, everyone's expectations in line, everyone's incentives in line when um, you literally don't have any pieces of paper of any official capacity so so you did so is my crypto was that started just to become official so you can get things straightened yeah. out and do and that's it was basically it the was, main reason it was yeah so i needed to i was like at a point where i was like okay this was fun but uh we need to have like everything official um, we need to have like a company. I had started hiring people and that's when, like, if I want to risk my livelihood, that's one thing, but, um, hiring people and ensuring you, you know, you're essentially not responsible for other people's jobs and their livelihoods and their families and their mortgages mm -hmm. and stuff. Like that. And I was like, I don't like the direction that this is going. I don't like, um, the lack of control. <laughs> I don't like anything about this. Um, and we went through a number of steps to try to make it work with my ether wallet and like the original founder. And it just never, we could never come to a place where everyone would win. Um, and so in my opinion, forking into my crypto, um, was one of the least destructive paths just simply because the thing that most people were re recommending that I do was like, sue the fuck out of everyone in city yeah. court for <laughs> because we're in america and that's, that's what you do when things go bad yeah we took we i was about to say we traded our, our dueling guns for lawyers but, uh, um yeah and you know and i really that that really did not interest me at all because again all of my life all i want to do is is create cool shit you know, and I like solving problems. I like telling stories. I like sharing people's stories. Um, and and that's what I wanted to do. I didn't have any interest in, in sitting in court or dealing with that or dealing with the stress or anything like that. 
Yeah, who needs who needs stress? Nobody needs this anymore. And, and in crypto, <laughs> everyone's stressed out, it seems like. But you know what's great? It's great to talk to projects that have been around with longevity. And also, here you are. And I guess that, that segues into a question is, what do you got, What are you guys looking forward to this year for my crypto specifically? And what or we could look forward to? over the next few years. Yeah, over the next few yeah. years as well. So... I spent most of 2018 kind of like recovering from the bull market and really diving deep into into what makes Ethereum complex and what makes the experience not ideal and what makes things complicated. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that one of the worst aspects of these things, especially now that dApps are becoming more and more popular, is how disjointed the entire experience is. So let's say you want to go get some crypto kitties or uh, interact with something like a MakerDAO or um, take out a loan on Compound or whatever. All Mm -hmm. of these different kind of tools that you have built on Ethereum that are starting to launch. The answer is like always uh, install MetaMask as like the first step. And so for a new user entering the space, like they're like, okay, I want to play with CryptoKitties. They're not like, I want to invest in Ethereum or I want to do this. Like they're like, I just want to see what these stupid cats are. And for the first step to be, okay, go to this external site, download this external Chrome extension, go through their entire onboarding process, and then, hey, come back. Um, I just see that as like really fundamentally flawed. and I love MetaMask, by the way. I use it every single day. But um, it just, it's tough, right? Because that's, MetaMask isn't always the right tool for the job. And so there's kind of two distinct paths to solving this and making the experience more um, succinct and more seamless. One of which is to like build like the most perfect interaction layer ever so that you don't have like, a weird MetaMask experience and then DAP experience. Um, and then the other one would be to make that experience like a singular experience. So if I want to go check on the status of my compound or I want to see how my kitties are breeding or um, I want to make sure that my my uh, my maker CDP isn't going to be closed tomorrow, instead of going to like all these different sites, um, me personally, I think it would be fun if there was like a singular location for all of that. And so that's sort of the direction that we're taking my crypto in is that we're going to start building out um, more interfaces within our singular interface for some of these complex financial tools and complex dApps so that um, we can kind of, you know, not only onboard people into here's how you create a wallet, here's how you safely hold your money, but then, okay, now that you have this, now that you hold these Ether, you hold these tokens, what do you do with them? And giving them the ability to utilize these things directly within our interface, um, that's the path we're going to take. And obviously, um, other people are taking other paths, and I applaud them for that because. Um, I think it's going to take sort of everyone doing a whole bunch of different stuff to make this ecosystem really flourish. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And especially that's one of the reasons why I don't use dApps as much just because it's the, it's, to me, it's like I have to go through how many steps to get this going. I'm going to that's my 2019 uh, crypto resolution is to start playing with more dApps and learning how to use those and and, you know, um, mm-hmm. having fun with it. But there is a complexity that, that if you can solve it with my crypto wallet, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping to do. And I think one of the biggest 
like I've been going back and forth a lot, but I think one of the things that excites me most about, you know, the next couple of years is that, you know, of course, some of the ICOs were total scams, but the reality is, is like a lot of them are working terrifically hard right now and they just are heads down and building, building, building. But, you know, are these people building these complex uh, financial tools or these protocols or these system of smart contracts, are these people also going to be the perfect people to build the interfaces and control the user experience for these? Um, and I'm not quite sure that the answer is yes. Like, I think that people who are, you know, spend three years building this epic, <laughs> this epic system of smart contracts that is, you know, um, has all the right incentives in place and discourages people from being malicious and all of these different things to have them go build the user interface and interact with users on a day-to-day basis and provide customer support and, um, and onboard people really, really flawlessly. Like, I don't think that those, those, those are really different areas, (laughs) like very, very different areas. Yeah. You got a great point. Like they're focused on the end game, uh, which is you ultimately using their, their application but mm-hmm. they're not focused on they don't care about the or not it's that that's not that they don't care it's that they're not focused on the ease of uh entrance into that into that right realm. and i don't know if they like i don't always necessarily think that they should be like if if you have the engineering capabilities to research and develop these intricate things um, maybe that's what you should focus on, like, and put a hundred percent of your power into that, rather than splitting your energy and your resources between building the perfect protocol that you know can't be hacked and is perfect and all these different things, um, and you know providing the best end user experience for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think well, a good example is like when the internet started there were nothing to help you and no no apps and today you look at the internet and anyone could use it anyone could use an iphone you know it's like the the te- technical developers always think technical first they never think about ease of use yeah but right it's right it, it's like but i guess there are a few like apple's a good example of creating ease of use with their technologies from from start to finish through them um just on their product line so i think that's a good i never really thought about that but i feel like all the devs I meet, they're always so technical first, yes. you know? Um, but yeah. I, think, I think you're right. You need to, if there's a way to, to when you're starting new, new tech or a new project, just combining both somehow would be cool. Well, I, I find it interesting because we've, uh, in the time that Andy, Andy and I have been interviewing all these projects, I've found two big projects kind of coming into the foreground. Uh, people who are developing some sort of application or something that, that for people to use, but how to use it kind of gets complex. Uh, is kind of kind of uh, a little bit complex. The other people are building projects to make it really easy for you to use that right. that thing. And right. it's it's interesting because so far none of them are are crossing over or competing. Uh, mm-hmm. Of all those things, it's just there's so many different kind of uh, categories that everything can fit into. There's there's a lot of need for this this um, ease of use. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. Thank you I'm... for that. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for forward thinking even the early days. Like, wait. We gotta make this easier. Like you said, adding like a one button, you know, it really makes a difference. Uh, especially, yeah. <laughs> especially in an industry where getting new people in is really hard. And I think ease of use is important, especially when you're trying to bring them in. They're like, you know, it's there's always that complication of like, hey, download this app or do this, and you know, 
ease of use is so important for our industry. So I appreciate that. Yeah. But I can definitely, yeah, s- I can definitely you. see how your uh, entertainment background comes into play because what our goal is True. to make something for all our, all of our audiences to enjoy as many people as possible to enjoy. So if it's only hitting a small niche group, you got to open it up somehow and you got to figure out what, how do you, how do you make it universal? But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been so, I just wanted to say, I've been so surprised how much my like film and television background, education, everything has carried over into creating products and even like running a company. Um, you think that they're like completely different, but the reality is, is like when you're building like a website or or a product, you really are telling a story. Like you're telling the client story or you're telling the user a story on what the cryptocurrencies are and how they work and how to be safe. And then even like, like I did a lot of producing. Um, and so a lot of that was budgets and spreadsheets and organizing and bringing people together to, to, you know, all of these people have their own unique jobs, but they have this common goal. And now like basically I'm a CEO and it's exactly the same. Well, I, <laughs> like I've got all these moving pieces and we're just going to try to get all of them headed in the same direction so that the end goal, you know, can be realized. Yeah, I like I like the analogy because I, I, I produce I, I worked in reality for 10 Andy years. Andy is a producer. By well, the way. I am a producer, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but what I'm saying is, is like every I'm a freelancer. So every show I would go on, I treated like, hey, this is a new company. And we have to shoot this yeah. season from start to finish. And when we finish it, we finish this project and it's done. Um, and that's the feeling. And I think you're right. I think that it really can carry over to helping you run a business. And a lot of people have no idea what our industry is like. And it's so hard to explain. Um, but when we're on the same page, like, you know, because you've been in the industry and me, I see it clearly where you're coming from with the analogy. And it makes so much sense. Yeah, this whole thing, like you're asking the simple question, which is how do we, it kind of reminds me of, the, uh, I don't know if you remember the Santa Claus where with, uh, Tim Allen? with Tim Allen, like the very end, they're building all these products, like he, uh, an anti-fire suit and all this stuff. And he keeps on going, what do I do if I fall off a roof? <laughs> like he keeps on asking that same simple question and they're not answering that question <laughs> until the very end. So he... So Comet comes in and helps them. Anyways, that just reminded me of that. Nice. <laughs> a little sideways. But uh, we, we, uh, I think we're, we, I learned a lot more also about your background. Really awesome, interesting background, especially the entertainment stuff. Because I think we've talked to a few other people that have come from like the entertainment industry. Um, I have just like one quick question for you since you're out here in L.A. Do you think that for, for people that are into crypto or projects, would, it, would you suggest like, hey, the community in LA is kind of blowing up in America. Like it's one of the good communities. Do you think it would be smart to move to LA for crypto or does LA need to change? Or does LA need to happen? Oh, that's a good question. So I spent a lot of time in a lot of different cities going to conferences and stuff like that. Um, I, I love LA. Um, I don't think it's for everyone, but the reasons that I love LA beyond like the weather and stuff um, is that there is, it's it's a city like it's a real city it's a sprawling city but it's real and there's a ton of people um a ton of access to anything that you need but we're like we're not san francisco and i think that's a good thing because when you go to san francisco it's like it's over almost overwhelming with the the singular types of people that build there and do things there mm-hmm. And in LA, it's always really interesting because I don't know if it's like, 
I don't know if it's like the misfits or, or the rebels or whatever. Like, I don't know if it's like the people that were like, fuck San Fran or whatever. The outsiders. The outsiders. Yeah, it's the people that like were like, eh, that's not me. Yeah, um, it is and, a little bit too much. It's a little bit, I don't know. You get some of, you get some of that San Francisco flavor in LA, but it's not so potent. Yeah, but it's a flavor and it's a flavor amongst like tons of different people with tons of different backgrounds. Um, you know, I guess it maybe it's the same as like New York versus L.A. in terms of the entertainment industry. Like if you want to go hard, you're in L.A. And same thing, yeah. if you want to go hard and do that for tech, you're going to be in San Fran. But if you want to like do something unique and meet unique people like New York is the place to make movies at, guys. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? I think it's it's very similar. Like LA is a great place to be if you want to be building things, meeting people here and and especially in like the tech crypto world because there's a lot more people here. Our meetups are amazing. Yeah. Um they're so like just the energy is just fantastic and you always get very very diverse stories, very very diverse types of people, uh families, like everything. It's amazing. Yeah, we we try to go to as many events as we can. Uh, a lot of the block, I think we, you know, we met you at Blockchain Beach. We've gone to many of their events, and those are very lively, and I do enjoy those. I find them interesting because it's like every time I go to a meetup, it's like, yeah. you know what this word means? I know what this word means too, and we're very happy <laughs> that we understand what these words are. Did you happen? No, to, did you happen to go on the crypto yacht? I was. Uh, I didn't. I oh, you didn't. The crypto yacht. Ah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was cool. There was. A, it was just interesting. It was like a four-story yacht. We moved. We went out to the water for like I think it was only like I was twenty minutes. A, I was sick back. as a dog that day. I couldn't even go, but I wanted to go. No, it was cool. But the, I mean, I, I I always ask people that are in LA with projects or people we interview about some sort of question about because I'm I'm trying to support the scene as much as possible. We do, Daniel and I, and yeah. I know that you're being in the scene. Uh, and um, okay. I'm just like trying to you know, bring out the best of LA in crypto, you know? We have two um, industries, entertainment and blockchain. Yes. Yes. But uh, just to close out, we'd love you to uh, just share with our audience where they could find, uh, whether it's your social media or my crypto and all those handles. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to mycrypto.com uh, and then you scroll to the very bottom in the footer, there's like a heap of social media icons. Uh, so whatever platform you prefer to communicate on, we're on all of them. Um, primarily, though, if you want to like say hi to me um, or f keep up to date, uh, we love Twitter. We're a big part of crypto Twitter. We love having fun on Twitter. So you can reach us at, at mycrypto. Um, and we're always having a blast on Twitter. As are we. As are we. <laughs> we love the crypto Twitter as well. Um, <laughs> So uh, just thanks so much for taking the time and talking to us. Glad we could get you on the show, especially in a new year. You know, it's, um, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, and let's keep in touch and keep the communication open yeah, as we go forward. Yeah, if there's anything you want to let uh, the audience know, just tell us any time. We'll, br we'll bring you back in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and here's to a fantastic and more bullish 2019. And hey. I just so happen to have alcohol. So, yeah, <laughs> <I'm> cheers. <laughs> <laughs>